This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blood Red podcast on Friday. Uh, this is this is an episode which is going to be a roller coaster of emotions. There's absolutely no doubt about that because it is the very last one with James Pearce, uh, our Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. It's the last time we'll be able to call him that. Uh, today is his last day. We've already done um, in midweek the, the James Pearce This Is Your Life podcast uh, <laughs> with, with himself and Joe, which if you haven't listened to that yet, please, please do it. It's a, it's a real tearjerker, some fantastic stories from, from James on that one. Uh, this one with myself, uh, Sean Bradbury, Phil Squires and Keith O'Neill as well. I think this one's a bit more like James's final game. You know, give him give him one last run out, get, sub him off with five to go, get a, get a standard ovation for him, <laughs> lap of honour at the end. Um, Jamesy, well, we'll start with you, the only place to start. Um, is this all belatedly an, admis- an admission that your position has become untenable, this, this, this leaving business? <laughs> I know, yeah. I've been thinking about it ever since that 6-1 defeat at Stoke. Uh, when I, I did it, yeah, someone... I actually left that one out, didn't I, of the, the podcast we did in midweek. I, it was one of those ones afterwards. I thought, oh, yeah, I should have given that. I mentioned that, the tweet to say, uh, surely you've got to step down yourself after this. And then ended up getting into a ding-dong with this fella on Twitter saying, no, you're going to have to explain this to me, mate. Why Why is my position untenable? And and he went on to say, uh, well, you know, you've got to take your share of responsibility for results. And I was saying to him, sorry, you've still lost me. Like, I just work for the local newspaper. Like, what... What has it got to do with me? And he went, well, you know, you've got to accept that if you'd asked better questions over the course of the season, results would have been better. So, so yeah, finally fallen on my sword. Someone <laughs> say long overdue. Um, Kiva, on to you next. As, as regular listeners to the pod will know, work is well underway on the Divakarigi statue that's going up in your back garden. Will, will you be building any kind of monument to Jay? Well, as I've already mentioned, the work, the, the progress was halted because of a wasp nest, pesky wasps. Oh. But um, we've we've destroyed them now, like in the nicest possible way. <laughs> we didn't yeah, like, you know, when no, no rocket they? launchers or not no. like Ian Doyle suggested. Um, he was just like, burn the shed down. I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's our shed where we keep like yeah. things that you That's keep in your shed. just the St. Helens way of doing things. Yeah, it? just burn it down. He probably, yeah. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, you know, there'll be there'll be something, maybe just like a little Ronaldo esque bust of James's head. <laughs> but like the first time when it went really wrong, it could be like that. Okay. Maybe you could do like a Holy Trinity, James, Origi and Michael Edwards. Oh, that, that's the I three, mean, that's the big three. Yeah. Um and there you heard the voice of Theo Squires. Theo, um how are you feeling? The, the man who sits next to you has cleared his desk and, and packed it up. I think I've probably had an impact here. I've only been sat next to him for a what, couple of months and he's decided he's calling it a day. How long has he been sitting next to Gorsty and he's been completely content with this position? Well, well this is it. Another man whose position could be untenable here after all this. Um, right, well, clearly the biggest deal of the summer, James Pearce, has already, has already happened. He's, he's, he's moving on from the echo. But let's, let's start with a bit of a, bit of a transfer chat and uh, things that have happened this week. Um, Rodri from uh, Atletico Madrid to, to Man City. They've broken their transfer record and brought him in. Start with you on this, Jay. What, do you think this speaks much about the balance of power between City and Liverpool and you know, how, things, how things will go next season? Do you feel like the Reds have to respond to this? And how much will Liverpool's transfer policy be, be dictated by what City do in this window? Do you know what? I don't think it'll be dictated at all by what City do. I think the way that Liverpool operate... You know they're they're very like surgical in terms of you know they're not going to sway away from their master plan. I think we've seen that in previous windows when you know there's been so many times, hasn't it, when there's been an absolute clamour to to go and get someone. Um, you know you think about the summer when when Van Dijk, you know, trying to get him, you know, that went badly wrong. And you know, I remember that you know that was a, a thing for the rest of the window. Then you you know there has to be a plan B. You've got to go mm. and get someone. He didn't. Um, 
and you know he, he's done he's done that quite a few times. You think you know the left back thing, and we ended up playing Milner there for a season uh, before he signed Robertson. So no, I don't. There's no way that City doing a big deal like that will suddenly prompt any knee-jerk reactions. Um, you know, I think arguably, I know fans are obviously looking at it and say, well, hang on a minute, why are City doing that? Why are Liverpool not doing anything? But I actually think City have got a few bigger gaps to fill in their squad mm-hmm. that, that Liverpool don't have to fill um, this summer. Um, you know, I was I was thinking about it today, actually, d- doing like my final column in terms of what the, you look at the squad, and I think I think the only area I'd say Liverpool. I, I feel as if they're probably one big player short would be in the front line just because mm. I think I was looking at it and you think I think Salah played 52 games I think Mane played 50 uh, I think Firmino 48 or 49 um, you know, they, they miss so little football but you know which they're incredibly robust and we all hope that continues but is it really realistic you know on the back of the three of them also been involved in international tournaments and having a shortened break are they really going to be able to sustain that again and then you know, if if one of them, God forbid, is out for a month or two months, is the calibre of players coming in good enough? And you know, I'd say probably not. Arguably, at the moment, when you're looking at you know Origi, Shakiri, and and obviously Rian Brewster that they've got big hopes for, but be wrong to expect too much from him. So mm. um, yeah, I think that's probably the one area of the squad where you know I think we'll see a couple of squad players brought in. But that's that's that would be the area that kind of I'd say is crying out for a bit more. How do you see it, Theo? Because I think if you look at social media, which obviously isn't always the, the fullest, most accurate uh, representation of the Reds fan base, there is a little bit of a rumbling, uh, you know, the Nets Ben boys who, who James knows well. Uh, <laughs> I think there's you know a little bit of disquiet about the lack of activity and I can understand the argument, you know, you fantastic season that Liverpool had and the way it ended with European glory, you know, you, you strengthened from a position of strength. Um, still a, a fair while to go in this window, but do you think the Reds would be missing a trick if they didn't build on what they have? Um, I think, like James has said, looking at the squad, it's fairly strong, isn't it? Like all the players, they're either at the peak or yet to hit the peak. And even where you look at the positions where they're a bit light, say left back, um, well, James Milner can fill in there. I think if uh, Joe Gomez hadn't been injured for the second half of last season, maybe you'd be a bit more desperate to get someone in there. But Matip stepped up, so you're probably saying, well, Gomez might need to fill in there. It would be more of a way for him to get that football. But Liverpool, this is probably what the greatest squad that many of us have ever seen the only reason they haven't won the Premier League title is because of how good City were but then you look at City's squad Vincent Kompany's moved on Fernandinho's what 34 Sergio Aguero's on wrong side of 30 David Silva said he's leaving this City squad won't go on forever whereas Liverpool if they get things right they could carry on like this for three, four years. So there isn't really that desire to go and strengthen the squad. Like you see all the reports, um, say like Usman Dembele, he's been linked. Mm. Uh, Liverpool have got the money. They're happy to back Klopp and let him get that big name signing. But he's looking at his squad and not really needing it. Why would you go and spend 100 million on a player like Dembele when you've got arguably the best front three in Europe? Mm. Where do you stand on a Kiva? I mean, does it does it still feel like this is a transfer window that could come alive. I mean, this week, you've obviously already mentioned City getting involved and Spurs seems to be getting their act together. Do you think a fair bit more business could be done and that could have a domino effect? Yeah, definitely. But what I will say is I feel like Liverpool fans are more content this time around this transfer window. I think because largely they sort of know, you know, Klopp's bought the bulk of his squad and there won't be many players coming in. So you sort of have to, you know, become accepting of that. And then... I haven't really seen many people. That Rodri came in, and I didn't really see. You know, I'm close to the buzzard on the social media. I didn't see much of a, you know, let off in terms of no. like Liverpool fans like crying about it. <laughs> I didn't see much. So, you know, I think that's a positive 
if that would have happened last summer, maybe we'd be, you know, more worried. But even though this summer we're more, last summer we was potentially going to be their title rivals. This summer we definitely are. Um, so I, I wouldn't be too worried. But like James says, you do kind of think, you know, if there is one position to fill, it sort of comes in that little, the, the back up to the front three. Can Divock Rigi be that? We don't know. So maybe someone else just to be there to fill that void yeah. if, it, if it crops up over the course of the season. And of course, you know, we've we've got that solid defence now. So it's the goals which we will want and um, hopefully, you know, bring in someone or depend on the, the statue man. Mm. What's been funny from it all is the conspiracy theories that have come around that apparently us as journalists are on a deal with the club to keep it all quiet because we don't want Liverpool to get outbid on some big name signing. <laughs> Imagine if we had that much power. <laughs> I think <laughs> though you have, you have to be a fan for like you know your heart is red, so you literally think like a fan, and then you think like a journalist as well. But I just think it just feels different than any other window because mm. of what the club have achieved. Especially now, you know we've won the Champions League and we are champions of Europe. We can keep saying that because we are, and I feel like the fans now. You know, the fans I follow, maybe I'm not looking in the greatest pond of the fans uh, for the Nets, Ben boys and whatnot, but <laughs> I just feel like it just seems more positive. Like if we don't, if we do a Tottenham like they did that where they just didn't bring anyone in, I don't think we could be, we could complain too much. Mm. Mm. On, on that point then, Jay, I mean, someone who undoubtedly is in a very big position of strength at Liverpool at present is Jürgen Klopp after perhaps his finest season in management so far competing on the two biggest fronts winning the Champions League going so close as we've already said in the league and bringing in loads of revenue through everything that the Reds achieved last season how much of the apparent you know the, the vibe we're getting is that it's going to be a low spending summer not not many kind of new names in how much of this do you think is is his call I mean he surely within reason would get whatever he wants he's in a, he's in a great position um, do you think he, you know with the manager being satisfied by, by the way things are at the minute that's that's a reflection of what we're seeing Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he he calls the shots now more than ever. You know, I think mm. you know he was he was powerful when he first came in, and obviously with the amazing progress that he's overseen, um, you know, that say has only grown and grown. And you know, he's got a very close relationship with with Michael Edwards, the sporting director, close as well with with Mike Gordon, who effectively runs Liverpool on a day to day basis um, for FSG. So um, no, there's certainly no kind of you know, whispers or anything that that Klopp isn't happy with the way the summer's gone. Um, you know, you can you can guarantee this that this was this was mapped out. I think a lot of people. I mean, he even went on the record saying it. I think I asked him about it in a a breakout he did probably three or four weeks before the end of the season, and he and he said then that there's, there's absolutely no need to go and spend on anywhere near the same scale as, mm. as last year because the squad's so strong. He said, you know, I'm not, not, we're not going to do it just for the sake of it. And I think at the time people kind of read it and went, well, he would say that, you know. Liverpool are still in the Champions League, still in the title race. You're not going to tell your current players that you're going to you're yeah. going to upgrade them. But you know, I think he was he was being being genuine. Um, and in, you know, I think the issue Liverpool have got now is to try and improve what they've got. You're picking from a very small pool of players as well mm. because um, you know, I know, you know all loads of names have been banded around, haven't they, this, this summer? And you know, one of the thing I think probably infuriates reporters and fans is you know the agents around Europe use Liverpool's name yeah. just to try and get their client into newspapers onto websites create interest in them um, you know the same old names keep same old stories keep on coming up um, but no I mean it's, it's certainly not a case of the money not being there the money is there um, you know Liverpool did have spent 
an absolute fortune in terms of renewing contracts for a, a mm. lot of star players that given the massive pay rises so it's you know I've, I've seen some people say well hang on a minute there's 200 million in TV money or whatever as if that's just sitting in a corner at Melwood just waiting to be spent <laughs> you know it doesn't really work like that in terms of um you know the, the the wage bill has you know absolutely gone through the roof in the last few years because if you want to attract the best and then keep hold of them you've got to be willing to pay top money and Liverpool do that now but um yeah Tom Tom Werner when I did the interview with him just before the Champions League final he said then that you know of course you know he said like whenever whenever Jurgen has suggested to us what he wanted we'll do everything we can to to make that happen and um you know I've certainly I don't think Klopp said a you know, said one frustrated word about the owners since no. since since he's come in. You know, it, you know well, there was a source of friction there, probably under Brendan Rodgers during his time there, because he felt that his judgment wasn't always backed on players, and that probably trust was an issue. But that's certainly not the case any longer. Mm. Um, and staying with you, then Jay, we've bit of bit of uh, an update we had this week on David Carrigi's situation, uh, where things stand at the minute with him. Um, talk us through that. Yeah, I think there's been obviously a lot, lot of talk about Origi, um on the back of what was a an unbelievable second half of the season for him, uh, culminating in the statue that's going up in, in Kiva's <laughs> back garden. Um, yeah, you know, Liverpool, are, they're adamant that regardless of whether he signs this new contract in the next few weeks, he's staying put. Very positive talks with his representatives before uh, he went off on holiday a couple of weeks ago. Um, but... You know, I think there's been some talk in Spain this week about Real Betis being in for him, and you know, of course, a lot of clubs will look at it and think, "Well, hang on a minute, he's inside the final year of his contract. Mm. Could they test Liverpool's resolve?" Because, kind of traditionally, clubs obviously have been really fearful, haven't they, of risking losing the player for nothing, which is what they could happen with Origi next summer. But um, yeah, Liverpool's at Liverpool's stances. Well, a they're pretty confident he will sign a new contract, and even if he doesn't, um, they think they're better off keeping him on board for this season. Um, and then you know, and he won't be able to speak to anyone anyone else anyway till like January time. So mm. they've got you know another six months to try and convince him to stay put. I mean, you know, they, I saw someone message me yesterday and said you know it's you know, an outrageous approach for you know to risk losing someone who could be worth fifteen twenty million for nothing. But then you know, Liverpool did the same with Sturridge last summer when they didn't you know could have cashed in then but didn't. Emre Chan the, the season before that. Mm. So I think it's more kind of looking out at the market and thinking well. How much would it cost to go and replace an Origi, and who's actually available? And so, no, I think you know the, the word out of Anfield this week was that Origi's going nowhere. Mm. You know whether he signs that new deal or not. I mean, them goals that he scored would be worth more to us anyway. Yeah, you know, well, like Sturridge, the goals he scored, he scored against PSG, didn't he, and stuff. Without all them goals, you wouldn't, you know, be in that position to win the Champions League and do what you did in the Premier League. So I think the club look at it in that way as well. You know, you know, we can sometimes look and I'll go well. They could get twenty million. Why are they just gonna let him go like Chan did for free? But you know, over the course of a season, yeah. he can come you in. Rep- you got to replace him as well, haven't you? That's the thing, and it's mm. you know, easier said than done to go yeah. in because you know you just hope with Origi, he's always been. At times, he is absolutely infuriating to watch because you think he's got everything you'd want in the centre forward, yet he doesn't all. You know, he does seem to struggle with a lack of belief at times, and but he's still in. I think when he was he twenty four. I think maybe I think he's mm. going on twenty four. Um, He's still relatively young in football terms. It feels like he's been around forever, just because he, you know, he had that great World Cup, didn't he, when he was um, still a still a teenager. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, you'd like to think, God, you know, if you can't take confidence from what happened to him in the last few weeks of the season, then then I don't know what you take confidence from. And mm. hopefully, 
we see the best of him next season, especially with Firmino. You know, might not be absolutely bang on for the start of the season, mm-hmm. with the fact that he's you know his spell with, the, with Brazil at the Copa America is going right down to the wire this weekend. I'd say it's also very encouraging how Liverpool then are acting because it's all very long term, isn't it? Like we think of Emery Chan. Well, Liverpool could afford to let him run down um, this deal because they knew they already had that replacement coming in in Abbey yeah. that had already been agreed um, this year and last year with Sturridge. We've got Ryan Brewster coming through. So obviously, their Brewster is the long term replacement for Sturridge. And this year, they've got both of them there. So even if Origi doesn't sign, they're going to know how good Brewster is at the end of this year, how quickly he can settle to Premier League football, to whether they then need to go and get a bigger name to be ahead of him in the pecking order or another young forward to complement him who's a bit more of a winger. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got um, Marco Gurich, obviously, he's gone out on loan. That's probably their long-term thinking with James Milner. It's all They're not thinking, oh, we want to win the Premier League title this season. That's part of it. It's thinking next two, three seasons, what position they're going to be in, in long-term. Mm-hmm. That's so encouraging, isn't it, to be in that position? Yeah, you thinking forward? Absolutely. Um, last point, I'll stay with you on this one, Kiva. Last point on Origi, and I don't want to burst any kind of optimism or stall the progress of the statue. But do you think there's a sense in which <laughs> what he did last season could be un- unrepeatable? Given you know it was he, every time he came on, every time we saw him, every little cameo he seemed to score or you know do something. Um, there was always these you know, succession of marvelous moments. Do you think? Do you think he will be able to hit those heights again? I've got a fear in me, I know I'm building a statue and whatnot, but I have got a fear that maybe he isn't actually that good. There's something that just deep down's telling what? me, like, maybe it was a fluke, I don't know. But then at the same time, he's shown me all great things. He's shown us all great things. So, mm. you know, I feel like we should have that belief that he can go and build on what he's done here. You know, even if he just doubles his goal tally, that would be incredible mm, and build true. from there, you know, and then even if he is to sign off or if he's to sign off now then I feel like we'd be okay with it because he will always be remembered going forward as a Liverpool legend. You know, you don't score them important goals and not ever get forgotten. He would he would have been an icon anyway just for what he'd done in the derby, but he went <laughs> on to, you know, do that again against Barcelona, Newcastle goal and obviously the Champions League final. So, you know, he'll always be adored by the, the Anfield faithful. So... And me. But <laughs> as much as I do say that, there is that worry. And I feel like everyone has it. It's like that niggling little, is he good enough? Mm. But, you know, what better way for him to go and prove himself this season, mm. whether it be here or, you know, wherever else? Mm. Certainly, the opportunity does seem to be there. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, we'll move on from Divock to, to Dejan. Uh, Jay, what do you understand the situation is with Lovren? There was another update on him yesterday. Yeah, again, he's been the subject of a lot of speculation this summer, AC Milan in particular. Um, I think there was some reports in Italy earlier on this week that his his agent had been over there for, for some discussions with them. And yeah, I had a nice coffee with him. The, uh, did you, yeah? yeah. <laughs> nice, fe- nice fella? Yeah, he seemed all right. Had a nice little tour of the San Siro. Then I went to Turin, asked uh, On Emery your tour Chan- of Italy. Yeah, I went literally. on a tour of Italy, asked Emery Chan where his uh, Champions League medal was, if I could have a look at it. Awkward silence there. <laughs> Cruel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Lovren, you know, I think Liverpool's stance is that a he's, he certainly hasn't indicated to them that he's looking to move on, and and b that the Klopp's certainly not looking to to lose him. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd be surprised if he went anywhere. I think you know there, there was some talk on there a few weeks ago that you know twenty five million or whatever, and you know, yeah. probably I think I think if Liverpool did get a bid in around that. That would be then a difficult decision to make because I think for a player, I think he's just turned thirty this week, hasn't he, Lovren? Mm. And um, you know, to 
for a player that you know, hasn't got a particularly great fitness record, I think he only started about a dozen games in all competitions last season. Um, you'd have to say that would be decent business. But then, then again, a bit, little bit like the Origi thing. Then you've got to weigh up. You know, how do you then go and replace him? Because he's, mm. you know, he's. We're talking about what is he third or fourth choice centre half who has played in a World Cup final, played in the Champions League final. It's difficult to go and get to to go and get someone with that kind of experience. Um, so again, I think unless he comes back for pre-season and really agitates for a move and the money is good enough which you know I, I, I don't really see AC Milan sticking 25 million on the table um, and he's also you know quite a high wage earner as well um, yeah I think you know the indications are that the Klopp is planning for the new season with, with Lovren still on board mm. What's your take on this one Theo because the, the one incoming so far we've seen is uh, the youngster Sepp Vandenberg and Indications are that he's, you know, not going to go straight to the first team. Not saying he's going to be alongside Van Dijk against Norwich, but he's he's going to be in the first team set up and regarded in the same way Gomez was when he arrived. Does you know might might that change the the, the picture? And you know, could you see that change in Lovren's thinking, perhaps? Um, not now. Maybe at the end of the season because it's another one where you've got that young player who's come in, and it's that bedding in process, isn't it? Mm. And so then you can look at it in a year and say, how good is Lovren really now? Maybe it is time to move on if he's had another injury plague season or if, um, say, he's fourth in the pecking order. But then you're looking at Lovren's situation, and he knows he's part of something special. He's going to get games. He would have probably finished the season as first choice if it hadn't been for those injuries. Mm. And while he's never had that consistent run without injuries, last year was by far the worst. And it just coincided with him off the back of his best run in the team to be a time where Van Dijk was first nailed on choice in that defence. And Liverpool never had that before, under Klopp especially. Mm. So... It's like Origi, isn't it? If he wants to move on, he can go with everyone's blessing. But I don't think it's the right time for him now to call it quits at Anfield. Mm. Um, yes, there's going to be interest, but I see Milan really going to spend that money. They've just been kicked out of the Europa League because they've breached um, financial fair play. Is it really wise for them to spend that much money on a player who's now 30 when you're not going to get any resale value there? Mm. Kiva, if, if you're including... Lovren, if we, you know, if we do include, um, obviously Theo's right about the, the the youngster, the new signing. But if we do include Vandenberg, Gomez, obviously Matip, um, Virgil Van Dijk, five centre backs who maybe would all think they're at least in with a shout of getting games, or you know, others established first teamers. Do you think, given all the competitions Liverpool are going to be in this season and the, the early start to the season, do, do they do they need five? You know, should we even if there is a bit of interest in Lovren, should they be pushing to keep him? Yeah, I think so because remember last season when obviously Gomez and Lovren went out at the same time and it was like that moment of oh my god we don't have any defenders because everyone mm. had ruled Joel Matip out as a centre-back they just sort of he wasn't on the list he wasn't coming in you know it was one of them um, but then obviously he showed he's a superhero and now I just like statues coming <laughs> I don't know just wait me, me mum will go mad the garden's not very big um, and with these bloody wasps you know anyway um <laughs> So I feel like we just, you know, it's better to have a bigger squad than a little one. If we lost him, then we're, you know, if Matip gets injured and then we've only got, say, Gomez. The Sep just seems maybe a bit too young this season to really feature. You don't know how things go and, you know, obviously be training with the first team and stuff. But I just like that security there and what Lovren brings in that, you know, you do forget that, like, 
what an experienced veteran player it is and he's still only 29 you know centre-offs go on to play well into the 30s so you know I would like that security of him just staying just so we know that if a couple of injuries happen you know it's going to be another 50 plus game season mm. so we need as many on board as possible and you know Lovren is definitely someone we should be thinking of staying around and if not I feel like we would need to maybe bring in someone else because I just don't feel like that's enough like I want all the players <laughs> bring them all <laughs> it's one looking at the defence options as well before Matip was quite injury prone too like he was out around Christmas time wasn't he when he did his um, collarbone yeah. um, Nat Phillips missed quite a spell through injury when pre-season he looked like he was only a few weeks away from making his debut Joe Gomez has obviously had quite a few big injuries so you've had to have Fabinho there at some point over the season so Liverpool have got the options but apart from Van Dijk who is super hu- human none of them have been able to put that consistent spell together so maybe Vandenberg will get his chance it does mm. it feels like a yo-yo of like mm. that one's injured now that one's in and it just it feels like that's what we used to as Liverpool fans to have that replacement already there would be a good thing well, in the mm. past 18 months what all three have been the first choice centre-back partner alongside Van Dijk that, that says it all mm. Mm. Um, right then well but before we sign off um Jay, your 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 last pod um, and your last campaign ended in European glory with the Reds this season. Um, so, just wanted your your early take on on what you foresee next season for for this Liverpool team. Uh, it's going to be exciting, isn't it? I think that's the that was the big thing to take away from from what happened in Madrid. I think the fact that it feels like the start of something. I think there's been times when Liverpool have been involved in major finals and title challenges. When you think back to like probably 2013, 14, where you kind of knew that was like a like a, a one-off shot at glory that never to be repeated. But um, you know the great thing about this is you know it, it. You look at as we said earlier on. You look at the age range of that team, and you know you're probably the only the only player who you'd say is past his peak would be James Milner. Yet mm. you know he's almost superhuman in in the way that you know he's you know he's such a clean living model professional that he doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down and. Um, so you just see this Liverpool team getting better and better regardless of what happens in the rest of this transfer window. Um, I think w- without a doubt it'll be a two-horse race for the title again. I think there's mm. just too much of a gulf between Liverpool and City and everyone else for for the others to th- even think about making it up in this coming season. Um, and then, yeah, mouth-watering to think what Liverpool could do in, in Europe once again. So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, it, it felt so, so big what happened in Madrid just because... You, know, you, you speak to people, especially like someone like Milner, who has kind of been there and done it. He was one of the few that had won big trophies before. He always said, you know, that that first one is the hardest to win because yeah. just getting over that line. And then, you know, when you've got that experience and you, you've savoured it, you know, that the memories of the parade, everything about that was attached to that, that, that then inspires you to just go on and on and on and, and get more and more. And, uh, yeah, certainly whoever steps into my shoes is, is going to be in for some right. I want you to put your neck on the line here. How many of the seven trophies are they winning? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, you don't have to say which seven. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably go, well, I don't, do you know what? The Community Shield I'm not remotely bothered about just because no. I, think, I think Klopp will almost treat that. He, he will treat it like a, you know, I, I know obviously because it's City. An intense, be a little, friendly. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, Liverpool aren't going to be anywhere near you know the, the level that you'd, you'd want them to be at for that one. Um, Super Cup, I think they'll win, um, and then yeah, they're obviously the I'd settle for the Super Cup and the Premier League. I think <laughs> the, the awkward thing for him for him will be how he for Klopp is how he treats the the Club World Cup because 
Mm. Um, you know that that isn't great coming when it does. Um, it's such a busy part of the the domestic season. So that's... have to play the two games as well because there's a third, fourth place playoff. Yeah, yeah, and you know, with the t- and people say it's only two games, but it's still, you know, when you factor in the travel and the difference in the conditions and all the rest of it, it's it's certainly not not ideal. And I know Liverpool have never won it, so he's trying to balance that. Of of course, he'd love to be the first ma- Liverpool manager to do it, but at what cost does that come? If then you come back and and you're you, you're kind of not performing at the the top level, because we all know that. You know, the margin for error is so ridiculously small and it, you know, I think it'll be like that again this time around. Mm. I really wanted to win that for like years, you know, watching all the clubs wear the gold crest on the, on the on the jerseys and I've literally been like, we need to, and now we're going to be in it. I'm like, let's not be in it. I don't, we don't need that <laughs> in the middle reserves. of the season. The don't want it anymore. <laughs> well, I want to win it because it's going to change in, what, two years? You don't know when you're going to get that opportunity again. Mm, true, true. Well, you want that one, Kiva, but and I'm sure we'll we'll speak again about uh, Liverpool's prospects ahead of the new campaign. But what what's what's the mood in the Kiva camp at this point? Are you looking for all seven as well? Yeah, I'm winning. I don't think we're going to like give the ball away ever again on the back of Madrid. <laughs> um, yeah, no, obviously, like Community Shield, like James said, I'm not really bothered. You know, mm. um, I think it'd be nice to just sort of get that little one over on Man City. You know, start the season as we mean to go on. But again, it'll just be a nice day out at Wembley for the fans and, you know, hopefully in the sunshine. And then the Super Cup I definitely want because I feel like that's the sort of underrated trophy of mm. all. Like, it's the one that when we won it last time and just it felt like, you know, a real coming of age sort of thing. It was like the little dessert to the, the Champions League and it's just a nice one to win. And then I'm not really bothered about anything else. This is the year where we win the Premier League and, you know, 30 years ago if someone would have said Liverpool won't win for 30 years you'd be like what the hell <laughs> like that's never going to happen and now we're in this position we just we need to you know eliminate that and just sort of just just win it and end, end that drought because it's it's been too long the city needs it the fans all around the world let alone in Liverpool need this and you know we, we showed as fans what we can do, that parade, you know, all the videos from all around the world. This club is adored globally and the Premier League, if we win that, it'll just, it'll go off quite simply, <laughs> won't it? I hope the marketing team, the club are listening to this. You'll be on one of those banners around town soon, <laughs> aren't you? I have a, yeah, <laughs> O'Neill, Birkenhead. <laughs> um, and Theo, yourself, you're, you're, get your take on it um, to finish off. It, it does feel like it's shaping up to be quite a settled summer, no no transfer sagas, nothing to kind of hang it over the club going into the new campaign. Um, do, you, do you get the feeling the Reds can just pick up where they left off and hit the ground running in, in August? Yeah, I do. Um, you look at the players away on international duty now, Alisson's just kept keeping clean sheets. Mm. Salah and Mane, they're just still scoring goals. Um, if they're doing that through the summer, you'd imagine that the players who are reporting back for pre-season tomorrow are going to be desperate to hit the ground running, like the likes of Chamberlain, Brewster especially. And there's that competition there. And it's a place where players want to play their football. There's not going to be anyone who's dreading going back to work tonight, is there? Um, it's one of those as well. Where you probably don't want it to be another month, six weeks to the start of the season. They'd happily play Norwich in two, three weeks. And then, well, this time next week, they'll have played the first friendly. They'll have a second at the weekend. And they'll be going to the States. Football is pretty much back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. And that squad is such a good squad the unity is so strong they'll be delighted to see each other again um, to get really going again because they know it was a missed opportunity not winning the Premier League last year put it right this year Mm, absolutely right well we'll leave it there then that has been the Blood Red podcast and that has been 
eight and a half years of James Pierce as the <laughs> Echoes full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. The man may be leaving, but the memes, they will never cease. Um, Jay, can we also get a guarantee that we'll, we'll have you back on the pod as a very special guest? I hope so, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, you might have to let me in because I probably deactivate the pass after today. But um, yeah, if, you have me, if you'll have me, I'll be back. You can do some with uh, Doily in Istanbul, Champions League final next year. Oh, I'll take that, I'll take that. Uh, right then, well, some, some good news from James Pierce there to, to sign off. He will be back. Uh, and if we all manage to get through his leave and do tonight in one piece, uh, we will be back with another Blood Red on Monday. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.